Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The stories that are told are what will be left behind when we're gone. The stories told are what's left behind when we're gone. I love that so much. That was Amy Hall, this week's guest on our podcast, Woods and Waters Project. She's the host of her Wild Outdoors podcast. And we cover so much in just little over an hour of time. We talk about authenticity and hunters supporting hunters no matter our differences. We talk about falling in love with hunting later in life, involving your kiddos, confidence, and how to respond to the naysayers. And hearing the story of how Amy fell in love with the woods and watching the world wake up, and how she craved that time for herself, I think is really relatable for a lot of us. excited to to meet you we're not on video I don't get to see your face but it's one of those like 
I've been following you on Instagram for a while. I feel like I've, in a way, kind of got to know you, but it's just always really exciting for me when I can get someone on the phone and hear their story and their voice and hear the passion behind what they do. And I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on uh, the podcast. So thank you again. Well, you are you are definitely welcome. I um, I am excited to be a part of it. I think you're getting to flip <laughs> the side of uh, me not doing the interviewing. So um, yeah. it's gonna be it'll be a wild ride. I'm excited <laughs> to be <laughs> I'm excited to be on this side of it. Yay! Yeah. So glad. And I really resonate with like your message on your podcast. Um, mm. I, I I feel like it's so much of what I try to talk about and what I love about having mm-hmm. a podcast related to the outdoors. So yeah. you talk about passing on stories and supporting hunters no matter our differences. And yeah. that is really important to me as well. And I, I just, I love that and definitely want to talk more about that because, you know, you're talking about, feeling it like feeling that change in support and I think when it comes women hunters to women hunters women in general are really supporting each other which is a really beautiful thing I don't I don't always unfortunately I don't always feel like hunters are supporting hunters the way that I hope that they would (laughs) yeah it's very it's kind of divisive and I mean we could honestly you can apply it to anything in life right Mm -hmm. um I think that it comes down to the the selfishness of people um, trying to, whether they mean to or not, compare themselves to each other instead of instead of cheer each other on. And I think that that is, I think that's just our biggest uh, hurdle to overcome, whether you're a man or a woman in our community of the outdoors. I think that it is just getting over ourselves. Um, and just supporting somebody for finding joy in something that they do. I agree. That was so well said. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just so many, so much of what I see too are, are based on snap judgments of each other because it's through social yeah. media. You know, we don't really know these people. Um, right. Sometimes when we're jumping down their throats and and making Mm -hmm. them look a fool when maybe we just didn't seek to understand you know or yeah it's just a it's just a picture I I've just seen that so much I'm like oh my goodness and once it starts sometimes it just doesn't stop uh but I do I do always see the positive of that even when I've been in that situation myself um Mm -hmm. even though it's really easy to get stuck in the negative it is amazing sometimes the people that come out of nowhere and like support you and try to protect yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's As so well. true. I I think recently um, I was sitting back and I was watching, I had uh, a conversation come out about um, gender bias in the outdoors. And again, you know, we can, you can apply it to anything mm-hmm. out there, not just our community, but um, the conversation wasn't even necessarily about that it was more so about what it took to write that article because putting yourself out there and putting a voice to something that happens without targeting the good people that are doing it right that is probably one of the hardest things to do and you will get flack for it 
Um, but I got a couple of responses, <laughs> a couple of responses on that post that were just, you could tell that they didn't even read the caption and definitely didn't listen to the conversation. And it, I debated responding and actually held off responding. And what ended up happening was that those who support me and did listen to it and did read it and did have, you know, know who I am personally, um, they stood up against, you know, somebody who doesn't know me. And I think when it comes down to it, when you're having conversations online, one of the best, um, one of the best pieces of advice that I was given when I got on social media for hunting, it, it's only been three years, uh, was the people who attack you don't know you personally. Right. They don't, they don't know who you are day in and day out. They don't see the good that you do day in and day out. They don't know your motives, your passions, your, um, they don't know what you do in your community. They don't know what you do on a daily basis. And so when they mouth off or they say something negative, you can respond emotionally, you can respond defensively, but all that's going to do is make you feel worse and trigger a, a worse off response. And it's not worth that to me. They, I don't know that person either, what they've gone through that day. And I, it's just not worth it to me to, to get into a keyboard war that is emotionally driven and defensive. It's just, that's, I'd rather not do that. Yeah, I agree. I, I've talked a little bit about this on a previous episode, mm -hmm. but not too in depth. Uh, and I do talk about it. I do teach classes, uh, from time mm -hmm. to time related to archery and, and hunting. And, um, I do talk about this in my classes about like, how you show up on social media and just understand, mm -hmm. or, you know, not even on social media, just how you show up to the public, you know, you just got it a deer going to the gas station, understanding you, right. you're covered in blood. Like, what does that look like? You know, understand right. that, you know, you don't there on one hand, I don't want you to care too much about what people think, but on the other hand, think about as there's a hunter, a balance. yeah, there's a balance mm -hmm. and you already kind of have a target on your back. People are looking Right. At you to make a mistake a little bit yeah. more. Um, I have, oh, I mean, I've only experienced twice, really, where I was attacked and things got blown up and screenshots mm -hmm. and putting them on their stories. You know, it's happened to me twice of, of being on yeah. social media. And the first time it was just more like, it was a picture of me shooting my bow. A photographer had taken it. I wasn't in like proper form. It was a zoomed in picture of me. Yeah. And it was shared um, by a bow manufacturer. And just like the comments were so awful. And it just made me want to delete my Instagram immediately. <laughs> it mm -hmm. was so awful. Yeah. And yeah. then the second time was a photographer also um, had taken a picture of me uh, white crane hunting and mm -hmm. I never posted the picture. I actually never um, shared it because I just knew the way that the picture looked. It would be taken out of context. Well, he had shared it and tagged me and some big company names in it. Uh. And uh, it before it was up maybe two hours and he took it down because of all the backlash. Yeah. Um, 
and he had tagged me and my podcast and um, all these companies in it. And so it got blown out of proportion really fast. And I'm actually, I I really, I I really was really emotional. But what Mm -hmm. I did, and maybe this is advice for anybody, and it worked well for me, uh, I wanted to just like go crazy on a couple of these people who just attacked my character in every way and, and just started to just, you know, really, really hurtful things. I actually personally reached out to them and I voice messaged them and I actually tried to video message them on Instagram um, and they didn't answer uh, for video, but they responded to my voice messages because I wanted them to hear like me and and, and hear my voice. And I actually invited them um, on to be a guest on my podcast Uh, Hmm. and they both declined. Um, mm-hmm. and, apo- and I mean, immediately, apo- immediately apologized for taking it to the level they did, took it down. Um, we had a brief conversation and that was kind of it. But my yeah. react, I mean, what I wanted to say and do was much more aggressive than what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to yeah. take, I, I had to like really calm down and, and walk away from my phone for a little bit. Um, yeah. but I approached them, explained to them who I was, invited them to have a conversation, invited them to call me out on the podcast. And, and then they backed off. And I was like, you know, that's going to be my approach going forward. And it made me feel a lot better because I wanted to just attack them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and mean. of course, I mean, that's what we all should do is in a moment like that, put the phone away. Yes. Take a moment to process. Take a moment to reassess, to, um, to think about all of the fallout that could happen from each uh, response that you have. And I think that a lot of people have been talking about that recently, um, just kind of being aware, uh, not just of what we put out there, but what is put out there of us. Um, And like you said, it was a photographer who put it out. Being a photographer, I have the rights to every single photo that I take, even if they are of you. And there's, you do not have control of how I use it. You yourself would not have probably posted that photo. That photographer took something that he had the right to use and made a crappy decision on putting it out in public. You have no say so over that. None. And it was a beautiful photo. You know, it was hard. It was almost hard at first for me to be like, okay, yeah. And he, we agreed together to, to, to take it down. Um, yeah. and it, yes. So it, it was hard because you know, the other part of that is I love hunting and it's not, it's not yeah. rainbows and butterflies. That's not right. What it's is. not. So right. it's like, why do we want to portray it that way? You know, the other, yeah. the, like not even the devil on my shoulder, but like the other side of it is you right. know, it should be portrayed as what it actually is, but mm-hmm. it's such and a not hard, hidden. yeah, it's such a hard, uh, it's like a double-edged sword. It's just very it difficult is. to, to manage sometimes. No, that's completely true. And, and honestly, I think you hit the nail on the head because again, anything that's put out there has the chance of offending somebody in this day and age, mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. And it is how we respond to it that is going to navigate the waters. It's, it's how you as a person respond to those people who are against you that is going to navigate 
are the future. And, and I think that that's on us. My responsibility is how I respond to you, not how you respond to me. And, um, I have no control over what you do, but I do have control over, over saying, Hey, this is a conversation that we can have on the phone. Or if you're local, let's go to a public place and have, have lunch or like, doing this typing back and forth thing honestly it's just bullshit if I can throw a person yeah you absolutely there. can yeah absolutely. <laughs> it, it, but it is it's get off of the texting back and forth and get on an actual phone call because like you said putting your voice out there explaining yourself having that conversation where you can hear tone and you can hear um, passion, you can hear hurt, you can hear all of those things in a voice, body language even more if you're in person, but you can't get that off of an email or a text. So we, we're forgetting to have conversations. And I think that's why, you know, even through COVID and all of this crap where we haven't been able to get together, you and I being able to have conversations with people have it has filled my soul to be able to do that, but it's because it's more personal and intimate. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I really like what you said um, earlier too, about even though in the moment you, if it is, if it is like a, it feels like an attack on you personally, Mm -hmm. even in the moment of feeling like, no, like they're wrong. um, I, I really like what you said about just thinking about, even though you feel like this person is being hurtful towards you, mm-hmm. they are a human as well. And yeah. they may have had something probably just triggered them a certain way. It probably was actually not personal at all. It just felt personal. Right. It, right. Um, they saw something that, you know, for for the, um, the, the fellas that I'm thinking of specifically, um, I, I think, you know, their, their message that they like to put out on their following is, um, like ethics and mm-hmm. um, just they have a certain way of like showcasing hunting and I think their messaging and their intent is really positive yeah. and I think they just took what they saw and spun it in a way to use for their messaging. I, I, I now clearly seen it. I, I see that it wasn't it very much felt personal between like tagging me and all this stuff. But yeah, after we talked it through, you know, and I took a second, I, they aren't seeing it from my side and I'm not seeing it from their side. If I just come right. in blasting with a keyboard and I don't think about it for a second. And even though I, I was mad and felt mm-hmm. like I was, you know, hurt, I did, I really had to try to see it through their lens so I could speak more calmly and just yeah. see it from a human point of view. Um, and I really appreciate, like, I, I like that cause it, it's hard when you're seeing blind, you know, blind yes. with rage, which is how I get, <laughs> I, it's like, okay, what do you want me to see? Like what, what side yeah. do I need to see of theirs right now? But I, I needed to, to be able to speak with tact and, mm-hmm. um, it went well, you know, I was a yeah. mess for a minute, but after we talked, it was way better than I thought. And yeah, there's just a lot to. Uh, I love like how you respond is what you control. You, you can control, you can't control their response. And that's just a really good way of looking at it. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it is easy to say that it is hard to implement it. It is a constant reminder to myself. And again, the older I get, I'm in my forties now. So the older I get, I think that confidence comes 
um, bring like bringing confidence to the table, bringing self awareness to the table, bringing um, uh, self control, like all of these things that you have to remind yourself daily, but bringing those to the table again, it changes your filter Mm -hmm. of how you view other people and taking a moment to say, okay, that person put that out there. I don't understand why they did before I comment publicly on it. Why don't I reach out and have a conversation with them? Um, or why don't I keep my mouth shut? <laughs> like there's, <laughs> I mean, there's two different options there. You can choose to keep on scrolling. Yes. Um, and I think that that, uh, Again, our ability to control ourselves and our responses. Um, I think that if we circle back to what we even started with, with <laughs> saying that division in our community, we're not always going to do this the, the things that we do the same way. But yes. it doesn't mean that it's wrong. Yes. Um, it doesn't mean that if you use one bow and I use another that you are better than me. It just means that we're hunting with a bow. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yes. and I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of speech right now about why are we so divisive? Why are we so divisive? Um, and it just, it comes back to competitiveness. It comes back to, well, my way is better. And I hate that mindset. I, I hate it. I think that there are a lot more better causes that we can get behind or stand up against um, other than what kind of camo you wear or (laughs) what kind of bow you, you use, what kind of gun you use. I think there's just, uh, there are bigger problems out there than that. Yeah. Imagine if that energy was put towards those things instead of just these, what is really petty really is, you know, it could be such (laughs) <laughs> a beautiful thing and I, I uh-huh. do I always feel and I do think the hunting community is starting you know it is starting to grow um, mm-hmm. I've been involved with a couple programs out here that you know are all about retaining and attracting uh, yeah. hunters and um, <laughs> yeah. there, there is it's like a it, it's kind of a bucket with a hole in it though a little bit because the the generation that we you know the person that sometimes, if you think of a stereotypical hunter of a middle-aged white man, you know, that mm-hmm. that is starting to evolve and change. Um, mm-hmm. But getting people interested and keeping them in hunting is, it doesn't, you know, it. there's a lot of people who are going to try it on and they're not going to stick with it. Yeah. And then there's going to be people who get the bug and then they become obsessed. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's a lot of what, like, I... I don't know everything, but I do mm-hmm. know that hunting and the outdoors has healed me and changed my life and is a part of who I am. And yeah. I just want to help others with that because in just the few years of really dedicating myself to uh, the podcast and teaching, you know, there's there's been a scattering of people that I know I made a really big impact on and, and now hunting is a part of their life. And that mm-hmm. is, that's like really my big mission, you know, like that's what it's. Yeah all about and I and I think that a lot of us have that same feeling like we just want Mm -hmm. we want to we want to show someone the light of like how the outdoors can change their life or make it better 
and just like leave that little nugget, you know, pass it on and, and keep that, keep this growing. Um, mm. And I, I think, I think unfortunately sometimes the people that we butt heads with, we want the same thing. Right. We just don't know how to communicate with each other, but we want yeah. the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's the disheartening part for me is sometimes if I take a step out, I'm like, ah, you and I, or you, you know, you guys, if I'm watching from the outside, I'm like, you guys are like, you want, like I, I keep saying it, you want the same thing. You're trying to do mm-hmm. the same thing. We don't have to be competitors. We can support each other, you know? Right. Um, right. No, I like to compare it to, I mean, you can, you can use all sorts of comparisons, whether you use, you know, in religion, all the different churches, yeah. <laughs> dadgummit, all the different churches you can <laughs> choose from. It's not a competition over how many members one has or the other. It's, it's you know, what what are your goals? What's the big picture? You can take it also to all the different conservation groups out there. Well, it's not a competition to see who gets the most money. The bigger picture is how much of an impact, how much are you giving versus taking? And so if you are a part of one group and I'm a part of another, aren't we still on the same side? And and that the details get muddied every now and then, but you do have to take that step back and go, but we're on the same side. We're not competing we're we're pushing each other forward in a good way mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i agree wholeheartedly <laughs> and we went on like a 20 minute tangent um which i loved um <laughs> i i we just totally skipped over which is fine we totally but we totally skipped over kind of like introducing you uh, <laughs> and who you are and what you do um and so if if you would like to uh Amy, could you introduce yourself <laughs> Well, hello, everybody. (laughs) Now that you've heard a couple of very passionate things that we've talked about. um, My name is Amy Hall. I hail from the Southeast. Um, I'm a Tennessee girl that spent a little bit of time in my young adult life in Alabama. So um, I've gone back and forth, but I am 40 years young, almost 41. The, uh, the outdoors has always been in my life growing up. I came from a large family that the only way that we could do vacations was through camping. And I think that that was, you know, when you're comparing yourself to all of the other kids that you're going, uh, growing up with going to the beach or going to, you know, staying in hotels and taking flights down places that's we just drove everywhere and tent camped and that's how we saw most of the east coast was through camping um grew up with horses grew up with so many animals um from you know saving snakes in the winter and releasing them when it got warmer to dogs and cats and you know we had just a plethora of everything but um but the outdoors was always a part of my life. Um, fishing, skinny dipping. I mean, we did everything growing up, but hunting was not one of those. Uh, my parents weren't hunters. My, we joke, it took two dads to raise me. Um, I've, I've got a dad and a stepdad and neither one of them hunted until my brothers, my younger brothers grew up and started hunting. So I just never got the opportunity to try it until I was married and had kids. So I was about 33 
And my husband had started hunting again. And I was like, Dad, I want some alone time. I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old at home. And I would really like to not be dependent on 100% of the time. And I love the outdoors. So honestly, the first two years, I never got a deer. But I enjoyed the heck out of sitting in a tree stand and watching the world wake up. That was that was therapy for me. It was, um, and the ability to be quiet and still and process some things that I probably didn't have a whole lot of time in that moment to process. So, um, I started hunting solo and it was, it was just, like I said, it was therapy. And the first doe I got was kind of like that oh my goodness, I did it. (laughs) Like what? That just happened. And I, it was empowering. It was two years of working towards something that just came to fruition. And I had to call for help because I didn't quite know what to do after that. Um, Like, how do I feel dressed? How do I get this deer out off the hill to where I need it to be? And So then the goal went from actually killing a deer went to how do I do this independently? Um, And it took some time to learn how to do that because up until that that point, I didn't know any women who hunted. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. my husband did things certain ways that didn't really work for me. So I kind of had to, through trial and error, figure it out. I wasn't on Instagram with hunting communities. I didn't have magazines. I didn't watch shows. It was just me out there figuring it out, kind of like a puzzle. And I loved it. I loved every second of it. Um, So the year that I was able to take a deer, field dress it, completely take care of everything myself from butchering to processing was I think the most empowered that I have felt in my entire life. And it changed over that whole course. I feel like it changed who I was uh, in confidence and in self-assuredness, like all of these things. I just felt not just joy, but I felt strong and I felt capable. And um, I don't know, it's just amazing that feeling of of doing something on my own that I had worked so hard for um, is amazing. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. So uh, I got invited to be a guest host on a podcast that was very male oriented, very male dominated. And um, the leading up to it was I like the, the person who hosted it, I can have conversations with women, uh, but I can't empathize with them. I can sympathize with them in their stories and their conversations, but I can't empathize with them. And so it was, Hey, will you do a short, like 12 episode series? And I did, and it was over and it was done with, and that was all that I signed on for. And I was like, wait, hold on. I really liked this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I really, really felt like it fed my soul that 
all of a sudden I was meeting women who I had never met before in real life who loved what I loved. And so it was like, well, I guess, I guess I'm going to have to just keep doing this on my own because I don't want it to end. I don't want, um, I don't want to miss something. I, I, I want to keep having those conversations. So that's how her wild outdoors started and, and kind of how, um, how I began growing as a hunter even more. So, um, that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell. I'm a mom. I'm a mom of two, one teenager, one preteen. It's loads of fun. I really (laughs) enjoyed it. Um, some people are truly scared about having teenagers and I, it is a season that I wouldn't trade for the world. I really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, they hunt with us, um, and they've hunted on their own. It's pretty cool to to be a part of this other side of watching uh, somebody that you love find something that they love to do. It's it has been a, a neat process. Yeah, but, yeah. I was going to ask about that. Just. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't have. Gosh, I, I just want to like ping off of so many things that you just said. Uh, <laughs> I feel it. Like it's this always happens. I'm such a cornball, but there's always a moment in the podcast where I'm just like very, I'm listening, and I'm very still, and I'm just like soaking in everything, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can, yes, 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 yes. I want to yes. come back to that, uh, and you know, and I just. I like black out for a second. I'm like, now what do I ask? Because I want to ask like 20 things. Um, so I don't have kiddos yet. And I, mm-hmm. and, and I hope to in the future. Yeah. Um, and my, I mean, I don't even want to call my boyfriend anymore. He's like my life partner at this point. Um, but he, uh, you know, him and I go really hard. Um, like, mm-hmm. We are always on the go. Uh, yeah. You know, we work full-time jobs, but we do a lot of other things on the side. And then it is, people are like, isn't hunting season only a, a certain time? I'm like, well, if it's, we're not mm. hunting, we're prepping for hunting or yes. we're trapping or we're fishing or we're traveling um, related to go on a hunt somewhere else. Right. Uh, it's just what we love it's to do. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. It's yeah. not a season. Yeah, yeah. It's not a season. That is, oh, I love that so much. Um, yeah. And you know, we know that when that time comes, our our worlds will shift and we'll make yeah. that a priority and everything. Um, and it's really important to both of us, you know, when we have children to have them be a part of that lifestyle as much as possible, right. expose them as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think, I know that looks different for everybody and there is not a one size fits all at, at all. Definitely not. But yeah. how do you, you know, how do you how do you do it? Yeah. How do you do it? I don't know. I, do you know, that is one of the most asked questions that I get in my DMS. How do you, how do you introduce a kid to hunting? How do you introduce them? And I said, you don't introduce them to hunting. You introduce them to the outdoors. Um, our kids didn't start hunting. Let's see. My son was nine. Uh, when he went through uh, hunter safety and and all of that and got his first year, he was nine. My daughter was 12. Um, it is different for each kid. You can't force it. You can't push it too hard. 
but we started when they were born with introducing them to um, grass, to bugs, to, I mean, I think my daughter was three when we had cicadas come through Tennessee and she would attach them to her shirt and her pants and she'd just be walking around <laughs> with, oh, with cicadas all She's up and down She's an animal her. because I, like, I am not freaked no. out by a lot of things. But cicada, I am, no, I'm not interested. I know, right? <laughs> it's like we were introducing them to snakes. We were introducing um, where we used to live. There was a, a, a creek right behind the house, and they got to see where a river otter latrine site was. Like, we, it, it's like little bitty things along the way. You just take them on a walk. Yeah. And you can do that at any age. You yes. can do that while you're still carrying them. Um, so I think that it truly starts with the introduction to the outdoors. Uh, hunting can come along the way because you're hunting. So they're going to be a part of that process anyway. But until they say, hey, I want to try that. Hey, I'd like to be a part of that. Um, I think that it, it truly, you have to kind of feel out where they are. My son was ready for it earlier than my older daughter. And yet when she finally came on board, she jumped in whole body. Whereas he has just kind of gone in little bits at a time. So I don't know. I think it's, it again is different for each kid. You know, you see, especially here in the South, somebody's like, my son got his first deer and the kids won. And <laughs> like, I know it's a joke like that. Like I'm joking just a little bit, but you see that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that kind of introduction to the outdoors. But again, I think it's different for each family. It's different for each kid. It is, um, it's something that you just have to be aware of. I think the biggest thing is when they do decide, that it that they're ready and they do take their first whether it's a bird or um or a mammal like whatever they are taking when that moment comes you have to be patient in the way they process it uh i i've seen way too many times the complete like it happens and the oh you just gotta let's take a picture let's run around let's do this and you forget that some kids ha are a little bit more tender than others. Yeah. And, and they need that minute to kind of sit back and process it through and see if they're excited or they need a little bit more time to process the grief of it. Because hunting covers all of your emotions mm -hmm. in almost one minute. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, my daughter was the one that was jumping up and down and excited and she couldn't wait to get her hands in and field dress the animal. My son was one who needed to sit back for 30 minutes and take it all in and, and make sure that, that that was again, something that he wanted to do. Yeah. And so it's different for each. I think that goes for adults too, that you're introducing into hunting. I think just being aware of how they are processing that moment can make or break somebody staying with it. Yes. <clears throat> yes. So yeah. much. I, I see that more now than ever I, I, because mm -hmm. I don't have kiddos. I don't get asked that much. I have been asked before, 
how to introduce kids, but more from the perspective of, I just had a really good friend actually. Um, he has a daughter and he just kind of, he's been sending me like pictures of her with her bow and they went arrowhead yeah. hunting and all this stuff. And, um, he's a family friend and, and really, he really loves the dynamic that like he's seen my dad and I have from hunting mm -hmm. with us before. And he, this is just the other day he messaged me. He's like, Hey, I just been thinking about what for you, what was it that made it stick? You know, like how, yeah. how he's like, mm -hmm. she obviously, she, she's really, you know, I think she's like seven. Um, yeah. So, and she's just a go, I mean, she loves everything she does with her dad and it's adorable. It's amazing. She's just such like a, a little badass. Like I can't believe it. Um, yeah. And he's like asking me how my dad did that with me. And, you know, I've like been reflecting on that. I reflect on that quite a bit lately um, because I don't really know. I can't put my finger on it exactly. My dad started taking me out when I was really, I was like four. Um mm -hmm the outdoors has come and gone in waves in my life a little bit. Um, it's yeah. never went away, but there have just been times where it kind of disappeared in a certain like age, like age I was at with yeah. like, my career and stuff. And um, I just, I don't think he ever, maybe a little, I, my, our family's very like toughen up. I mean, it's mm -hmm. very yes. like you're forced to act tough. Yeah. Um, so you just, you don't whine, like you don't whine about stuff. Um, and, yeah. and whether that's healthy or not, I don't know, but, uh, I was never forced to do anything, but once I was out there, I wasn't really, I wasn't allowed to be whiny, you know? Right. No, uh, <laughs> we're the same way. Yeah. We're the same way. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I, that at, you just, I, I don't know. I just think about that. Like as a kid, I knew, okay. I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to go hunting with dad. I'm going to have yeah. to carry something heavy. I'm going to have to walk through the woods. There's going to be bugs. It's going to be cold, whatever it is. And I just have to like get my head right. And then I'm always yeah. glad I went always, even when I was really young. I remember looking back, I'm like, oh, it was so awesome. Even if it was miserable. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I, I don't know what that is, but you just get tougher. You start, you just get tougher and more appreciative <clears throat> and you, yeah. it just grows with time. That, that's how it was for me. But um, it's been hard for me to answer that question uh, for people because I'm like, I don't know. I think it's just always been a part of me and it just, I'm now I'm obsessed, but it, I wasn't necessarily obsessed when I was young. Um, mm -hmm. It just kind of, it was like literally a flip of a switch a few years ago. Yes. I think, <laughs> so I don't know. I think it happens with each kid, right? Yeah. I think yeah. that if you take, if you take something that you're passionate about for a while, they are passionate about it because you are. Yeah. I think that I think that there is a moment where it becomes their own, and sometimes it, it like you said, it, there's a little bit of give and take. There's a little bit of where it kind of fades a little bit because other things are tried, other things are a little bit more important at the time, whether it's sports or you know in a teenager's life that kind of thing, but. At a certain point, it becomes their own. Mm -hmm. It becomes something that they take on as their own passion. And I think that that's a moment where doubt can set in. Is this because I like it or is it because my parents like it? Sure, yeah. And I think there's that balance of you've got to allow them to figure it out on their own. We, we kind of dealt with that this year with um, a decision that my daughter was making. Do I want to... Um, do I want to commit to this one thing that is going to take all of my time 
Or do I want to be able to still hunt and fish and be outside and be with friends and be like, what is this choice? Um, And it took us being able to sit back and allow her to make that choice. Mm -hmm. And she made, I think, in my opinion, the best choice. But if I had not let her make that choice, then it would be my decision. It would be instead of her taking it on as her own passion. Like, why are you choosing to leave time to hunt? Because it's what she wanted to do, not because mom wants her to do it. And so giving kids the freedom to say no in a moment allows them also to then say yes. And so I think it's, it's vital to allow that in kids instead of the pressure of it has to be yes, 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 yes. Yes. Um, Allowing them to say no is okay. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. think that's just, that's, that applies. We keep saying this, but it applies to so many other areas of life. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I really like that. Um, and <laughs> all yeah, those kiddos. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, even, well, even like adults, like I, I, I do a lot more with adults and getting them into yeah. hunting than I do kids. And, um, it's the same thing. I, I just, mm-hmm. uh, took a woman, uh, turkey hunting for the first time and I, I was just, and she even, you know, after taking a step back, it was a lot of work, um, because she had to do some, you know, uh, crawling on her belly and going through Mm -hmm. some going through a river and I mean she didn't we didn't we didn't she didn't fully anticipate that uh style uh she thought it was going to be more of sitting in the blind and calling them in but that's not how that panned out for her and uh you know me the whole time watching I am just like giddy the entire morning so excited um like I am just the anticipation. I'm like, she's going to get a bird today. She's going to get a bird today. <laughs> and, you know, after she was done, I'm just trying to like kind of like step back. Like, don't get too excited. She had said, right. she's like, I think you, I think she's like, I think y'all are more excited than me. And uh-huh. I, I was like, I don't know. I could be, cause I was just so, I was so jacked up to, to see yeah. that. And, um, I had to really watch I just wanted to like let her process it. And then she, after the fact, I think really got, wow like mm-hmm. super proud of herself empowered like this is what I did this is what I you know and yeah. um it was really hard for me not to project my own like stuff onto her you know and ask her questions and like um I needed to take a step back and let her let yeah. everything sink in um <clears throat> and even adults it's the same it's the same mm-hmm. same thing um it we might feel one way about the hunt, but they might feel a completely different way about how yeah. it went for them. So, yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with asking questions, especially to a new hunter. Yeah. Because you've got to feel them out. If somebody comes hunting with me and I say, Hey, how did it go? Let's debrief. Like, were you too cold? Were you too hot? Did your, are your feet hurting? Like, how can we change something to make it more enjoyable next time? Because if you don't do that, then they're going to walk away and go, well, my feet hurt the whole time. Maybe this isn't for me. Or uh, I was cold the whole time. Maybe this isn't for me. Um, But putting, giving them the, hey, this was your first time out. It's not going to be perfect, but let's debrief afterwards so that we can make it better the next time because that's what everybody has to do. It's, It's trial and error, figuring it out. 
And so putting the expectation of it's going to be perfect the first time, we should never do that. It should always be, hey, make notes along the way so that we can, if we've got to change a few things for the next hunt, we can do that. Don't expect, you know, an eight hour, 12 hour day, (laughs) Um, especially with kids. Um, But always have that, hey, this is it's like an experiment each time. What can we change to make it better this next time? And so there's that constant, they're a part of the solution versus you being in control of it the whole time. That's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. And I, Yeesh. yeah, and I, I just want, and it's, it's hard now that I've, it, it's always hard for, I, I don't, it hasn't happened a lot to me, but mm-hmm. I only think I've had it maybe happen once or twice where either through teaching or coaching or mentoring or taking them hunting, I felt like I couldn't reach somebody, if that makes yeah. sense. Like yeah. whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing wasn't resonating with them. And I had to be like, the first time that happened, it like crushed my heart a little. I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh, I just want to. I just want to like wrap my arms around this person and help them and get them, help them through their frustration. But I just, I wasn't reaching them where they needed, you know, whatever I was doing, it was, it just, we weren't working entirely. And, um, I took a step back, let someone else step in and it worked, uh, better. And I just have to be okay with that, that sometimes Mm -hmm. that my approach or how I do things, it's just, it's just not going to be, um, for everybody. It just, just like. It it kind of even comes back full circle to the conversation about like competition versus supporting yeah. each other. You know, you and I both have a podcast about outdoorsmen. You know, mm-hmm. and I <laughs> I love that. Like that doesn't um, it doesn't scare me. Right? right yeah, yeah. Like we're just you know like we're two different people. We have yeah. two different stories, but we have so much you know so much in common. Um, mm-hmm. Same like a lot of the same intent, I think, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's just, I think it's, I think it's a beautiful thing. Just, I do too. I, I definitely don't think it's a negative. I think it helps all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, I love what, I love what you're doing. And I love that story of how it's kind of, I don't know. I mean, you're like still so young. So later in life sounds maybe weird to say, but like, going through that it really sounds like you really kind of buckled down (laughs) later in life and it just things have just you've probably learned and taught yourself so much like imagine I know for me like when I reflect back on just a year ago the things I've done um, that I've had never done on my own before Mm -hmm. I'm like what like I sometimes I beat myself up so much for not being this like total crazy mountain woman um, living off the land, but like I think about what I've taught myself or learned from others in the last mm-hmm. few years, and it's crazy. I'm just I'm almost a different person on some yeah. level. I've had to make sure when I set my goals for the year that you know I might have one big goal. This past year was more about um, honestly, it was more about my daughter uh, finally getting out there because she was she had made the decision to finally get out there, but I had set little goals for myself and, um, you know, it wasn't about the antlers. It wasn't about getting a buck. I did not get a buck this year, this past year. And that's okay. I got two doe and one of the doe 
um, which was my main goal was on public land with a firearm. Like I, I had never taken an animal. Well, uh, other than bird and waterfowl, um, I had never taken a big game animal with a gun. And so I had those goals that grew me as a person the year before it was, I want to get my field dressing under a certain time. I want to be more efficient in that. And so I think that it's important to not only have a big goal, um, my big goal this year, I'm going to Montana to hunt a mule deer. Um, like that's a huge goal for myself, Yeah. but there have been little goals along the way. I need to be able to hike with a pack with weight for certain amounts of time. Like those are what you're building up toward that big goal. You've got to have these small attainable ones because those positives will get you to that big goal. Um, but some years you might just get those little ones and the big one might not happen. So instead of having one big goal not come to fruition and you'd be like, man, this season sucked. Instead, you've got all these little things that you can look back on and say, but this happened and this happened. Dadgummit, I got my first turkey this year. Like these are um, I, being able to do little and big goals are so important to me because I like to see positive movement and and so I think the little ones sometimes mean a little bit more to me because they got me there yeah yeah do you do you mind sharing some of your goals that you have right now uh well this this year honestly the beginning of of uh 2021 my I always said a word for myself and this year was steadfast and it had more to do with, and this was kind of my like big picture goal, um, was to stay who I am, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, to not get lost in, in anything that happens along the way, but to stay true to who I am. And that kind of goes back to authenticity and, um, and just being honest and truthful in the good and the bad and, uh, getting a turkey has been on my goal list for, this is the third year and it finally happened. And, but along the way, I didn't want to lose who I was to get there. Just like that being authentic and being real means more to me than, than getting some high fluting person on a podcast or to get a big game animal. It, I, we had that NWTF video that came out, um, a couple weeks ago and before it went public, I showed it to my kids. And the thing that I said was, I want you to watch this. And at the end, I want you to tell me if a complete stranger watched this video and met me in real life, would it be the same person? Is the same person that you see on that screen the same person that you see day in and day out? Your mama. Like, am I this? Am I portrayed in the same light? Am I the same person? And they got to the end of it and they looked at me and they said, oh, yeah, mama, if, if they met you on the street or if they spent the weekend with you, they would see that's the same person. That meant more to me than anything. Yeah. Because 
that is like, that's who I am. That's, I don't, it's not the bells and whistles. It's not the show crap happens and I don't want to hide that. So I don't, I, I like to be, I don't know, I feel drawn to the same people. I, when you see them on Instagram or Facebook or wherever, I, I'm drawn right now to people who are authentic. And I think, honestly, our whole community is leaning toward that. I think they're craving honesty and authenticity. And the fake stuff is kind of getting old. Yeah. <laughs> to me, anyways. Yeah. I, I find more value in somebody who is real that I can relate to than somebody that is fake that I really have nothing in common with because that person has no failures to show, no hardships to show, no scars, no battle wounds. I can't relate to that, but I can relate to somebody who has fallen on their face a million times and has had to get up, dust themselves off and push forward. Yeah. And so I'm, I hope that that, so that is my goal. My, a huge goal for me this year is to just remind myself constantly, don't like, what are you posting? What are your words? What are your, what are you saying on your podcast? What are you, it's a constant check. Like, don't, are you being real? Are you being fake? Are you being like, what is your, your, um, what's behind it all? Yeah. And, and it's just a self check. Um, but that's the biggest thing. The biggest thing is that. I like that so, so much. Like <laughs> how, you know, if you look back at something, is that me in real life? Yes. Is that who I am? I, yeah. I love, I love that so much. Um, that, I think for me, I don't know that I've ever been anyone but myself, but mm -hmm. for me, like it's not hard when I show up, it's not hard for me to just be myself. But yeah. I think for me, it's in showing up that's hard. Mm -hmm. Like, like if I'm going to show up, I'm going to be myself because I, I am one, I'm an awful liar. I'm, I'm yeah. not a good actor. I mean, I, yep. I can't. I will, if I tried, inevitably I'm going to stumble and fumble and I'm going to just show up as myself. I, I, I really, I don't, I worked so hard at mm -hmm. just figuring out who I was now. I, I don't know how to be anyone else, but. And it's exhausting trying to yeah, be somebody Yeah, it is exhausting. Yeah, yeah, it is so hard. And, um, but in, in showing up, that, that can be the hard part for me. Yeah. Like with the podcast, honestly, sometimes like people wouldn't, this sounds so silly, but, you know, my podcast hasn't, is just a little over a year. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really ready to like take it to a much bigger place right now. But I just a little over a year ago, I could not, I had a friend that helped me kind of figure out like what recorder I wanted to get, how I was going to yeah. do this. Um, he uh, helped. So the very first episode I ever did, uh, he is the son of the man that I uh, recorded with and they have a podcast mm -hmm. as well about upland hunting. And I mean, if I could ever get him on this podcast just to listen to me, because he's really not on social media or anything like that. But <laughs> I couldn't even get a sentence out without just wanting to, to puke. Like the idea of <laughs> the idea of having my voice. Um, yeah. Why would anyone want to listen to me? 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, which was so silly because I'm a, re- like my day job, I'm a recruiter. Like I talk to people about <laughs> their life every single day. Like that's just yeah. so ridiculous that I was yeah. so nervous, but I, I was. And then once I got warmed up and started and had to edit and listen to my awful voice over and over again, I, and I say that jokingly because I, I don't think I have an awful voice, but at the time it was so, it was so <laughs> cringe, you know, it was just cringe worthy. It was awful. Yeah. And once I got over that fear, I, I forced myself to listen to myself and just put myself out there. It just has gotten mm-hmm. easier and easier and it just continues yeah. to get easier and easier. But I, um, on the flip side of that is like, yes, show the, show up as your authentic self, but also mm-hmm. just show, you know, just take just the, show up. Just, show up. Yeah. <laughs> just try. Yeah. It's, it's really scary. I was terrified. I'm still kind of scared sometimes, but, uh, I just, I love all of what you said and, and people can People, unfortunately and fortunately, will sniff that out if you are showing up as not yourself, even if they don't really right. know you. Because it does yeah. it does come through. All it takes is a little time. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. It'll just. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I, Do I, you know what's what's funny is, is so I've gone to a couple of trade shows. I've gone to a couple of, um, you know, group hunts, things like that. And what most people don't know is I'm a, I'm a little bit more introverted then I come across on the podcast or on social media. I'm an observer. I am probably one that more so would sit uh, in the back of the class versus the front just because I want to see everybody and I want to take in body language and, and how people are responding and what other people are doing just because I'm that observer. In a large crowd, I'm the quiet one. Uh, in a group of three, four, five, totally my jam. Yeah. I love small groups of people, but in a crowd, I'm not the person that is like, I'm not the extrovert, whereas I used to be. And I think that I have learned how to value um, more intimate conversations. Again, the authenticity, I like to kind of search that out. And so I'm probably my own worst enemy in promoting <laughs> myself <laughs> um, just because I'd rather know something more about other people. And I, I love going to classes and sessions and hearing what others have to say. Um, but that probably is why I enjoy podcasting because it is that one-on-one intimate conversation where when you get done – we're best friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, 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 I don't know. It, a lot of people have come up and been like, Oh, you're a whole lot more quiet than I thought that you would be. And, um, like, I'm just, I, I'm me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Is, um, do you, has your overall feeling been that you've been like accepted in the community has that been your experience like has it been very accepting and warm or has it not always been like that I think it depends and I've I've had this conversation um, a couple of times with with different women I said it depends on which stage of my hunting I've I've been in so in the beginning when it, where it was just me and the outside it, it was just me and the outside. So I wasn't really dealing with anybody. Uh, as soon as I got into the hunting community, I feel like I was 
accepted, but I wasn't doing much on my own yet. And so even though I was hunting solo, I was still dependent on asking questions to my husband and to a couple of other men in the area. When I started stepping out on my own, doing my own research, having my own ideas, I think that's where, like going into big box stores, I wasn't as respected as I thought I should have been. Um, I have had some conversations where in certain circles, it has come back to me, well, why would I listen to that? It's just a bunch of and you can insert any word that you are thinking of that is a curse word for women. Um, uh, I don't want to sit around listening to, in quotes, women complain about their camo fitting. And that's not what these podcasts are about. And so I think that I've, the people that don't support me, that don't get what I'm doing, that don't necessarily see what's going on, I think that I've gotten to the point where I've realized I'm not for them and that's okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, you could say to hell with them, but I, I don't necessarily want to say that because it is, I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Right. I'm not going to be everybody's best friend, even though I'm a people pleaser and I'd love to be. Um, I, the confidence that has come with age and with experience is it is okay if I don't meet everybody's need. Um, it's okay if I don't make everybody happy. Uh, they can continue with their life. I can continue with mine. And I think that we can support from the bigger picture, but just understand that I'm not meant to be everybody's best friend and that's okay. And I'm okay with that, but it's taken a long time to get there. Yeah. 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 I, I, I feel that because I am definitely a people pleaser and I, and I love mm-hmm. people and I, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. I, it's not easier like a, said than done. Yeah, de- definitely. <laughs> I, I won't, you know, beat someone down and try mm-hmm. like hell to be their best friend necessarily, but to an extent. I don't yeah. always give up on it either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah. yeah, you will. We will bond. <laughs> we will bond and you will like me. Uh, you just don't understand <laughs> yet, but one day you will. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Is there, is there a, um, either a, like a next adventure for you or a challenge mm-hmm. related to the outdoors that you're, you know, Getting ready to face of coming kind. up. Yeah. Well, I did. I drew my general deer tag for Montana, and I'm very excited. Um, I had talked. It has been about a year and a half now. I had an interview with Jessica Kenneman in northern Montana, and I got to the end of that conversation. I said, one day I'm going to come hunting with you. And so she reminded me this year, hey, <laughs> It's uh, time to put in for tags. And uh, I think we had just gotten done with a conversation about hunter versus huntress, which is a whole nother conversation. But Mm -hmm. again, I had said, I'm going to come hunting with you. So then she said, it's time to put in for tags. You need to do this. And so I put in 
and I drew a tag. And so I'm going out there and I think that, of course, I'm excited for the new experience because there is a difference between Eastern hunting and Western hunting, huge difference. And it doesn't mean that one is more difficult than the other. They're just different. And so, um, as a student of our, of our, uh, lifestyle, it is exciting to me to try something new. Um, the biggest challenge is going to be, um, the packing, like the hiking, the packing in and out in different elevations. I have um, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And so it's a, a heart condition that makes cardio difficult. So prepping my body for that is going to be the challenge this year. Prepping to just do the physical exertion of what is going to be required of me is going to be the biggest challenge. Um, getting a mule deer will be the icing on the cake, but conquering that hunt, the physical requirements is going to be the ultimate trophy for me. Yeah. 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 Oh, I feel that. (laughs) I make so many jokes at myself about being a flatlander. I mean, I'm from Mm -hmm. the Midwest, so there are hunts here that are difficult in their own way. Definitely. Uh, But that honestly one of my main drivers of staying in shape is hunting for sure yeah. because I, oh, yeah. I there's just so many really cool things like mule deer hunting that I want to do mm-hmm. that I know realistically I'm like oh you, Steph you gotta like start doing some cardio or you're not gonna yeah. make it <laughs> yeah I am stronger today than I was back when I first started hunting there's no way when I first started hunting like I pulled a deer off the road a couple of weeks ago um, that had just gotten hit. And so I got a roadkill tag and there was no way when I was 32, I could have lifted a deer into the back of my truck. And so oh, I, I do, <laughs> I do feel stronger. now all of my neighbors are driving by as I'm pulling a deer into my truck. Um, and I'm just waving, just hi. Um <laughs> Uh, but that many years ago, I couldn't have done that. So I am stronger today because of hunting, because like you said, you've got to, like, I'm, I will die out there. Yeah. Yeah. For real. But, I mean, really? Like, yeah. It's, it's like, you it's will. Intense. Yeah. But also I owe whatever I'm hunting, the respect to be able to complete the job versus the disrespect of not being able to do that. And that's what I put on myself. So, um, I take it very seriously. The, what kind of shape I'm in, in order to give the hunt, the respect it's due. Yes. Oh man. There's a couple, there's so many things that you just said there that could be like a whole other (laughs) podcast episode. The, uh, from the hunter, huntress Mm -hmm. thing to, Mm -hmm. um, the physicality, the respect yeah, yeah. like the animal deserves. <laughs> One of my, mm-hmm. honestly, I, I have, I am definitely a feels love person. I am very empathetic. So I can, when it relates to hunting, like I do, I can, I'm sure some people would be like, geez, toughen up, you know, but I, I do feel that emotion of like taking an mm-hmm. animal's life, you know, but I, yeah. I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty tough up into the point of 
if it isn't um, cleaned and prepped in time. Right. Um, right. I, I, that is where I have felt so much guilt and will bother me for a very mm -hmm. long time. If like yeah. meat goes to waste or um, it's not retrieved uh, appropriately or yeah. something, you know, and that yeah. and, and any sort that animal goes to waste of any kind, that really bothers me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, no, and I lot. think it should, yeah. right? I think right. that shows, I, man, I said it, I think it's been two and a half years. I said it, that's what, that's the difference between like a bear or a wolf or whatever predator is out there. That's the difference between them hunting and us hunting. And it's the, um, it's the character that comes behind it. It's the ethic of, of how it feels if something doesn't go right. It's the draw of respecting that animal. A, a bear out there doesn't respect its prey. It's just surviving. Mm -hmm. We aren't just surviving. We are actually respecting the hunt um, if you are doing it correctly. If you're an ethical hunter, then that is how it comes. But it separates us from animals. Yeah. Um, as humans is that emotion. And I think honestly, the day I don't feel something like that is the day I shouldn't be hunting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like that. I, I, um, I, I really like that because sometimes, and I love that perspective because when I first started getting on like social media and getting in the hunting world, what I really saw at first was a lot of like, well, why we shouldn't eat meat because you know, as humans, we can make the conscious decision not to mm. eat meat, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I like your perspective on the end of it, of like, because we are human, like that is, that is what, you know, we are making mm -hmm. this decision to, to do this. Um, we don't yeah. have to survive by having like, you know, using our heart and feelings and ethics in making a decision like that. I, I really like that perspective a lot. That is yeah. what makes us different than like other predators. So mm -hmm. um, that yeah. is a beautiful thing. I love it. It is. And it's something that as we teach other people that we need to keep in mind um, is passing that mindset down mm -hmm. is not just respect for other hunters, but respect for yourself out there. That constant check. Why am I still doing this? Um, and whether you have to do it for each hunt that you go on or each season or each year, whatever it is, just that self-check, what are my priorities? What's the motivation behind it? Um, and what the goals are. I think it's important to do that every year. Yeah. Yeah. That's really great advice. Is, yeah. is there anything else on your heart or mind that we haven't covered that you would like to <laughs> say or share at all? Yeah, I think that, honestly, I think that we could probably get together for a weekend and just sit around and talk. I would love weekend. that. That would be so great. <laughs> it would be a blast. Yeah, I haven't got, just with COVID and just life. Oh, I know. Um, you yeah. know, a lot of my podcasts in the beginning were in person with people, which mm -hmm. is really hard to do with people all over the country. But, right. uh, yeah, I, I miss meeting mm -hmm. and getting to know uh, my guests 
more yeah. Um, yeah. in person. So yeah, I'm game. You just let me know. I would love <laughs> Let's that. do it. <laughs> we, um, we, I think that that's, I mean, there's so many other conversations to have. And I think that's why your podcast and my podcast and other podcasts out there that, um, the stories that are told are what will be left behind when we're gone. And, and I think that that's something that I hold dear. I hold humbly in my hands as a responsibility. Um, and not that my one life is going to make a huge difference, but look at all of the people that, our inner community, we all together make a huge difference in the world. And, and so these little stories build up to, to some pretty big things. And so I'm excited to see, um, to see just how hopefully we grow as, as a community, as an authentic community. Um, but yeah, I think our ultimate goal, both of us is, um, is to just show that we can all support each other. And so I think that that's, I'm so grateful that you invited me on here. <laughs> A, because I wanted to know more about you, which we're just going to have to reverse this because you got to ask all the questions this time. Um, but, um, because again, we're just supporting each other and that is so beautiful. I agree wholeheartedly. With, with everything you said. Yeah, I'm so grateful you uh, said yes and are here. Uh, it has meant a lot to me, and I have no doubt that someone listening is going to be, like, positively impacted from this conversation. I well, just really you. like, yeah, I really like your um, perspective and coming from such a positive and light place with it mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. it's it's caring but it's not like heavy you know it doesn't have to yeah. it's, it's lighthearted, but also just yeah it's just it's a really beautiful thing um so well, thank you yeah so thank you again and um I, I will I will share in the notes where people can find you but what yeah. is the best way to follow you or hear from you um, so my regular Instagram is Amy Hunter or Amy Hall underscore Hunter. Um, we've got her wild outdoors on all social medias and, um, and all podcasts, but that, that Amy Hall Hunter is my main, you can find me there, message me, you can email me at her wild outdoors at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, those are the places. <laughs> Yay, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you one more time. And I can't wait to talk to you soon. And yes, just, yeah, get to, get to know you more. But I'm, I'm cheering you on, girl, for sure. Ugh. Well, you've got my, <laughs> you've got my support as well. And I truly, truly appreciate this. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much, Amy, again, for being part of the show and being so great to talk to. There's so many little nuggets of wisdom I got from you in this episode and continue to get from you. And all of you can continue to get that information from her and connect with Amy. I will post 
uh, in the show notes how you can reach out to her. And, and thank you guys for being here. Until next time, get out there. <laughs>